We're going to be opening our Bibles uh, to the book of Luke, the 17th chapter, starting with the 11th verse. If you have not brought a Bible, uh, Joe has Bibles. We are somebody, we're a church that believes we should be looking together in God's Word, and so raise your hand and Joe will get you a Bible. We're going to the book of Luke, the 17th verse. Our 17th chapter, sorry, um, and the 11th verse. We're on a journey through the cross to the open grave. Our Savior, who in Luke 9:51, knowing his time was coming near, resolutely set himself out for Jerusalem. He had a purpose to go to the cross to die for our sins, to arise from the dead so that we could live new life. Jesus knew it. When he came to it, he set himself into it. I don't know how thankful you are for that, but that is the greatest foundation of gratitude a human could experience. One who has sacrificially given themselves for another so that the other could have life. And so, today, uh, really our topic is on gratitude, and you've heard it in the songs, and it really is. Uh, someone once said these words, gratitude sets the attitude of the altitude of your life. And it is true, the meaning of gratitude is the foundation to your and my life experience. When it fills our heart, we experience our life as though we are soaring on wings like eagles. And when it is empty, we are grounded like turkeys who only fly when they want to roost to sleep. And so as we come along, I, just, I want to ask you a question. Are you grateful? Are you grateful? I've been meditating a bit on this whole idea of gratitude and, I've, and, and thankfulness. And it occurred to me that gratitude is the opposite of entitlement. You can't be entitled and be grateful. Because if you have a right that you believe you deserve, then if it doesn't get met, you're going to live with no gratitude. You're going to live with no gratitude. When someone is ungrateful, what is their normal tendencies? Their normal tendency is to focus on how their rights have been violated their normal tendency is, is to believe that there's something missing from their life, something that they deserve. And from the abuse of ingratitude, there will be people who are found complaining, stressed out, grumpy, and self-focused. Their focus is always on what was not received in the physical. They treat God like a genie, who should have granted their every request, and people like servants who are there to make them happy. And I want to go this far and say that ungrateful people are unsaved people. Ungrateful people are unsaved people. And so today I want to talk about the powerful faith of gratitude. It is something that soars the heart that has been saved. It is something that moves a being into living a life that's true and right, even, listen to me, even in the wind of difficulty. 
In fact, I think it's more evident when things don't go the way you think that they should in life than when they do. Because that is when faith really becomes evident in our lives. Now, if we say this statement, and before I read this passage, we got to prove these things from Scripture, right? I mean, this should be something that God reveals from, right? It, 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 the Bible says this, that, that a, teacher of, a teacher of the law who has been saved by grace should bring out of his storehouses that which is of old and of new, right? It, it, it is the well-roundedness of God's word that comes out of our heart, which builds our lives. And so if, if this is true, then I should find this throughout Scripture. And so the first one I want us to say is, that, is this to you. Gratitude was so important to God that he instructed the Levites to practice it daily. In 1 Chronicles 23, 30, it says, They, the Levites, were also to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord. They were to do the same in the evening and when the burnt offerings were presented to the Lord on the Sabbath and at the new moon feasts and at the appointed festivals. It was so important to God that his Levites were called to do it every day to give thanks. Do you give thanks to God every day? Second, the psalmist picked up the attitude in Psalm 104. You, you know Psalm 100, right? Psalm 104 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Yeah, but not just the psalmist. People that were moved by the Holy Spirit picked up on the attitude of gratitude. And the Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, listen to it, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the Spirit moved him. A lot of people go, hey, I wonder what God's will is for my life. Right there. Right there. Pray, give thanks in all circumstances, and rejoice always. Rejoicing isn't putting on a fake smile. Rejoicing is, this is not going the way I thought it would, but I'm going to praise you anyways. Let your will be done in my life, on earth as it is in heaven. So contextually wise, um, this verse, these verses that we're coming up to, we're going to talk about the ten lepers. And this verse is in these, the story is coming up in a time of Jesus' life where as he has determined he's going to Jerusalem, it's, it's determined that he's coming from the north to the south. He has come through Capernaum and he's, come, he's right on the border as we read here between Samaria and Galilee. Let's, let's just read the verses. Let's hear what, what's happening here. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going in the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Wow. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. 
He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all the ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. As we read this, it's rich with spiritual truth. It's rich with divine goodness, tenderness, compassion, and mercy of our God. But there's also other things. There is a true healing found in this that can be overlooked. And there is a shocking ingratitude, a shocking ingratitude. As we start out with this verse, we realize that... um, as, as verse 12 says that these 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a, difference, a distance. You know the thing about suffering is it unifies people. It unifies people. We're going to find out later that, as you heard, that there was one Samaritan and nine Jews. They would never be found together. Because the Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans were a people that had intermarried between Gentile and Jew. And they were detested by, uh, by, by the Jewish people. And looked down on. In fact, it's interesting. As I, <laughs> I, nah, I'm not going to go there. But they were, called, they were called dogs by the Jewish people. They were so looked down on, so disrespected, and yet we're seeing these nine, these ten people together in the pain of this moment. Um, There's a truth about suffering and that it has no prejudice. Suffering does not look um, on the value of a person, the position of a person, the wealth of a person, the strength or the weakness of a person. Pain is an equalizer of all human beings. And what they had, leprosy, uh, which we now know is called Hansen disease, wasn't necessarily contagious because we now know that 90 to 95% of people have immunities to it. But it had a social stigma to the point that people could not come within six feet of another person if they had it. And they, if the Leviticus 13, uh, 45 through 46, kind of calls out how it needs to be, how this group of people need to be handled. It says, anyone with such defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkept, cover the lower parts of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. (laughs) Sounds like COVID. Amen. Amen. Now, the Jewish people took it a step farther. You don't hear in there to treat them with disrespect. You don't hear, don't treat them with love. The only reason why this is instruction in the Levitical law is to prevent the spread of any disease. God was building and creating a culture of people that would follow him and they would be protected from, uh, from diseases. And so they were not called to be a social outcast. But if today There's somebody in this room that has felt like a social outcast. You know exactly how these men felt. 
you know exactly where they're at as they're, as they're living this life in colony together. The Jews were thinking, this is so bad, I have to live with a Samaritan. A Samaritan. And they're in unity with each other, and they're outcasts from everyone. But I think this is something that we so many times overlook. There's a verse in Hebrews that tells us about our Jesus that is so important. It says in the 13th chapter, the 12th through 13th verse, And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. If you are a Christian, you are called to be outcast from this world. You're called to walk in to the same place Jesus did, separate from the very world that he created, called to be an outcast. And it is happening more and more and more on us. And so these men were an outcast. And they had absolutely, because, um, because leprosy had no, had no uh, cure, they had no hope. They had no hope. That's huge because you know what? There's people even within the sound of my voice today that have come to a place in their life where they believe that there's no hope. There's no hope. That's where these men were. That's what made them feel like an outcast. You hear what I'm saying? Rich or poor. Fame or not. Position in this world or not does not matter. Your soul knows where you're at. These men felt like, an outca like outcasts. So in verse 13, they see Jesus coming. We must understand that humility is the superpower to enter a faith-filled life of gratitude. You have to realize that in those days, people knew the, the names of, the, knew the meaning of their names. Do, do you know the meaning of your name? I think that's important because I don't think God randomly names people, even today. There's a reason you're named the name that you are, because he determined, right? He said this, before the foundations of the earth were created, before the foundations of the earth were created, I knew you, and I called you. I want you to think about that. Before you were even, you were even your parents got together, before this world was created, he knew and thought about you. And so you're not named accidentally. But it's interesting that they called the name Jesus. Do you realize, I, I, I dare somebody to do a study on this. The Pharisees never once used the name of Jesus. Why wouldn't they, right? And I've got an example for you. Luke 22, when, when, he was, um, when they were calling him out about his authority, they said to him um, this, tell us by what authority you're doing these things and who gave you this authority. And say his name. Why? When you say the name of Jesus Christ, what, is it say, what are you saying? What does Jesus mean? Tell me. He came to save his people from their sins. 
That's what Jesus means. Yeshua from the Old Testament. He came to save. Well, of course the Pharisees aren't going to save. And so they didn't. Do a, do a study on that. Prove your pastor wrong. Go through all the interactions between the, the um, Pharisees and Jesus. Tell me if it ever they ever said his name. They could have said that. That's okay. He definitely was teaching. That's still not his name, right? So anyways, yes, by what authority? So, um, so not only did these guys say na- his name, but they said, Master. The word only appears in the New Testament in Luke and always associated connecting to Jesus. It means the one who has notable authority and power. Jesus came and taught with authority that wasn't seen in the normal synagogues. And they recognized his authority by calling him master. Is he Lord of your life? Is he your master? Does he have absolute authority over your life to what you want to do and what you do and what you say? So Jesus saves master over authority over me. And then what do they say? Have mercy on us. The power of this expression comes from desperation behind the words. Like I said, this disease was incurable. There was no healing for it. And they were crying out because they had come to the place. They believed that Jesus was the only one that had any hope for cure. As I thought about this, I thought about the fact that every single one of us are in the same boat. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? There's only one. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. Outside of Christ, every one of us are in the place of desperation. We have a sin-sick heart that is beyond cure. And Jesus is our last hope. Is that where you're at? Have you cried today? Maybe God brought you here specifically to hear that today. Don't let the distractions of even your phone get in the way of what God may be saying to you today. And then verse 14. So they, these men come. They met Jesus. They stood at a distance. You're the one that saves your Lord, your, your master. We have, we have to come to you for mercy. There's no one else to go to. And verse 14 says, then he saw them. My wife had a dream at one time in which she was in the midst of a crowd. And there was chaoticness going on in the crowd and a frenzy because Jesus was in the middle of it. And all of a sudden in the midst of her dream, Jesus turned and looked right at Sue. And she cannot tell that story without crying. Because of the power of of the, of the one who looked at her. And this one looked at them. To them for. Because they were crying out to him. Do you know that the Bible says that anyone who cries out to me will be saved? For everyone who cries out to me will be saved. Pride will hold you back from crying out to the one who is your salvation. But if your humility will allow your voice to say his name and to cry out to him. And so Jesus then gave them a command, right? He said this. He said, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. 
In, Le- in Leviticus 14, 1 through 32, read it at a different time, the Mosaic law lays out how a person is proclaimed clean. It's a rigorous eight day of coming before the proclaimed health inspectors um, of, uh, of Israel, which were the, which were the Levites. There's, there's, a, there's cleansing, there's sacrifice, there is ceremonial oil that's anointing, there's shaving of the hair, there's multiple washings, and after eight days, they're proclaimed clean, and they're able to go back into, uh, into the crowds. But it was obedience that they needed to do. They needed to go, and so it says, as they went, they were cleansed. They were cleansed. It's interesting how many people want to have God heal them and yet are unwilling to obey him. All ten men obeyed Jesus' command. All of them were made clean. But were they? This is a huge, huge point I don't want you to miss. Were they? Were they all clean? Yes, they were clean from leprosy and, uh, and, and that, but were they all clean? There are people in this room that have asked God for physical healing of some sort but have not gotten the answer yet. Does that mean that God is not listening to you? Not at all. I appreciated Ryan's prayer. The fact that there are times where he does say either no or wait. And are we willing to say you are truly God overall? The question that I had to ask is this. Is the physical healing of your situation more important than the healing of your heart? There are two kinds of people that walk into church. The first is a person who believes in God, who creates, created heaven and earth. The person believes that God has the power to set them free from the bondage of this life, but they don't believe that they need salvation. They just want God to do what they want him to do. And so they can accept a God who can correct their physical situation, but they're unwilling to receive a God that is the one for their salvation. That's why we can accept Jesus as teacher, but can we accept him as Lord? They said teacher, but would they say Lord? No, no, they would not. Kind of like the man in, in Scripture where a demon was cast out of him. The man, his his heart was swept clean. Everything was put back in place, but it was not filled. And so when the demon came back, he noticed that, that it was all clean and swept free, but there was nothing filling it. And so he went back, got seven of his brothers, and that man's condition is worse than when he started. It says in in verse 15, one of them, when he saw, he was healed. When he saw. The Bible says that, that, that the eyes to see and the ears to hear, the Lord is the maker of both of them. In Revelation, it says that he who hears He will be made righteous. Jesus asked, do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? 
he saw. He saw. What did he see? Years later, an apostle would proclaim what this man believed in his heart. Listen to it. In Ephesians 2, it says, Therefore, remember formally you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What this foreigner saw was what the other ten Jews didn't see. That the God who had created the temple to, worship, to be worshipped at was the one that had healed them. They were going to the temple. The nine went on, assuming they were going to worship the God of that temple. But they totally missed him. Why is that? I, I, I say to you today, it's because of entitlement. They believed they were entitled. They believed that they were the chosen people and that they had no sin. And that because they were chosen then they expected blessings from God. But they missed the God of the blessing. What about you today? You're sitting here today, and I know some of you, specifically, there are some prayers that have gone unanswered. Is the blessing of that prayer more important to you than the God who gives the blessing. Are you being stopped from coming to the God of the blessing because you look at your life and you see things unanswered and you determine that somehow there is, that there's something wrong with him? Happens every day. Almost weekly, I hear it on phone calls or in, in conversations with people. God didn't do this for me. So I don't think he can be a good God. Well, Ryan just led us to believe that God is good. All the time. God is good. It, give thanks in how many circumstances? Are you sure? In all? There's somebody arguing with you in this room. They're struggling with it right now. Because you don't understand my life. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my background. How much did that matter to Jesus, who knew the Samaritan completely? How much did it matter to him, his background? Zero. 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 All that mattered to him was here he stand in front. And, and how do we know? 
Listen to me. How do we know that there was a heart healing in this man? And he just wasn't excited about being healed from leprosy. Look what he did. In verse 15, it said that he saw that he was healed, came back, and did what? Praise God in, a, what, in what kind of voice? Excuse me. Yes! It's about time the church got noisy. Your level of singing, I know some of you are going to think this is weak theology. Your level of singing shows your level of what Jesus has healed you. We got a gal that sits in front of us and she says, you know, I kind of want to dance, but I don't know, do I, can I dance in a Christian Reformed church? Absolutely, you can dance in a Christian Reformed church. Have you been healed? Have you been healed by the one who's healed all things? Absolutely, you can dance. Come on. They dance at the Super Bowl. They paint their bodies. And you all men, you know, with your muscles, you think that's cool. But you don't do the same thing at church. Why? Is that Super Bowl winner more important than Jesus who won the souls of every human being who will receive him as Lord and Savior? No. No. We need to give freedom to each other to express our praise and worship to God. And it's going to be different. We've had 50 to 70 years, people of God, who've been raised in some of the traditions I have, that, that it's been quiet and reserved. And, you know, if you didn't have a good voice, you know, you, you know you'd sing like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Why do you do that? Isn't it amazing? It is amazing. I look for the day where I become normal and you guys are abnormal. You make me look calm. But people of God, I know what I was saved from. That's why I praise him. I know what I was saved from and he did too. And he worshiped God in a loud voice. But he didn't just stop there, did he? What's the next thing he did? fell on his feet before him. That is a, an acknowledgement of deity. A couple weeks ago, we had a two and a half hour service, longest service ever in, in history of the pier. I don't brag about that because I put it all together. I actually, Ryan and I just put a sketching together and we watched the Holy Spirit work out. But, did, but we had one person that came up and got on their knees in front of this place worshiping her Jesus. And we, well, two people, that's right, two people. But that is amazing. He threw himself. It is, it is saying, you are God. You are the deity, the only God. I will worship only you and no one else. Exodus 23 says, you shall have no other gods before me. Some of us have other gods in our lives. Get rid of them. They're the ones stopping you from fully worshiping. If you're sitting here today and you're reserved in your worship of Jesus Christ, it's because there's another God that's saying, don't do that, you're going to look stupid. You're going to look stupid. Don't do that. It's about time. We got people out in this culture that have no concern about how they look for sin. They love 
doing sin. In fact, they carry flags, they do parades, and they say, you got to believe what I believe. And if you don't believe what I believe, I will cancel you. And it's a lie. But they're more proud of their God than we are. Let that never be said again in this place. May Jesus Christ be lifted up so high in this place. May we worship him with such passion as people that we make Ryan look like he's got a headache. <laughs> people of God. You know, there's one thing that I, I, I... What I love about that man as he stands up in front of us is he just worships as Jesus. He doesn't care what we think about him. And I appreciate that. He leads me to that. He leads me to that. And so praise the Lord. So he praised God loudly. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. And then what else did he do? Thanked him. There it is. The power of thanksgiving. Because he realized that the God, as I'm going to say it again, of which the temple was made to worship was in the form of the human Jesus Christ. Do you see that God? Is that the God you worship? As I was studying this, I just, I just thought, you need to hear uh, foundationally this. And so I went, I went through scripture, and I just, I, foundationally, I just, I want you to hear the reality of this salvation. Colossians 1, 12 through 14 says these words. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins in colossians 2 6 through 7 it says these words listen to it so then, just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith so that you, as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving. Do you, are you thankful for your citizenship in heaven because of the blood of Jesus? Are you thankful that the fact that not only you have that citizenship, but you are rooted and growing every day in him? And then another one, Colossians 3, 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since you are members of one body. You were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. I guess I should have just read Scripture instead of preached to you about that. But isn't that true? The level of your praise is the level of gratitude that you have for what Jesus did for you. We ought to be jumping. We ought to be jumping. And then the last one, Ephesians. Ephesians 5. Listen to the word. Ephesians 5 says this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Oh, there it is again. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving what? 
thanks to God, the, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Proof. Proof. He has done it all. All to him I owe. He's done it all. All to him I owe. And I owe him just with a part of me. All of me. All of me. All of me. You know why some of us are giving ourselves over to sin? Because that part of our body we've not given over to Jesus. Do not let your body be used as, as instrument of unrighteousness. But listen, choose to let your bodies be used as instruments of righteousness for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I get to use my body. And that's what this man did. But notice then Jesus' rhetorical questions in verse 18, or excuse me, 17 and 18. He says, Weren't, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Isn't it interesting? Those nine went to the temple. They went to the temple. Jesus told them to go to the temple. But they didn't realize who the God of the temple was. And the one went back and bowed before the God of all creation. Not just cleansed from leprosy, but cleansed from the incurable disease of his heart. You see, true faith of gratitude will never be satisfied with a physical blessing minus the blessing of the relationship with the one who blesses. Never be satisfied. This is the center of the power of gratitude. Not gratitude for the blessing of the material in place of the non-material. This is what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 12.9 when, when Jesus said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul then goes on to celebrate that which is not materialized in the physical, but made manifest in the spiritual. That weakness of hardship, insults, persecution, life not going the way that you thought it to, was what he saw was the strength of his relationship with Christ that marked his life. I want to speak to some of you who have not been healed physically, that there's something in your life that maybe has not happened the way you were hoping it would. I want to challenge you with a thought. I heard this um, on The Chosen, and I like it. It's this. Jay, Jay's not here today. Oh, there you are. God, you're right behind the pole. Jay was healed from his cancer. We all celebrated that. He had a testimony. That's a great thing. We praise God for that. But you know what? If Jay was not a believer, Jay would die and separated from God from all eternity, even if his cancer is healed. It doesn't matter. I want to challenge some of you that are sitting right now and you've got this thought in your head and you're saying, um, God hasn't healed this, God hasn't made this happen, and I'm not sure exactly how I feel about God. 
What if God has entrusted you with the gift of an unremoved physical issue so that you could display your faith in that moment? What if he trusts you enough with the, with the unhealing of the physical, with, with, with maybe a past relationship that's not healed, maybe with a physical in, in your body that is, is not going to be healed, or with, a, with something you've been asking him for for years, and he's entrusting you because he believes you'll stand up in the midst of it and praise him. And when you do, not only is it a testimony, but it is a sign of the Holy Spirit inside of you that other people get to see. Because the world gets, no, no, the world gets using God for what they want. The world gets that, okay? They have all kinds of gods. And they go to them and they say, hey, you produce. And when they do, they're happy. When they don't, they're unhappy with their gods. They're not used to people who don't get what they pray for and still believe and trust in God. That's, they're not used to that at all. And so what if God has entrusted you with that? Now, this man was healed. But more importantly, he was healed in the soul. And we see that. It says in verse 19, Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Well is not the same word as found in verse 14, cleansed. The word is found 25 times in the New Testament. Each time it is associated with the thought of being saved. It is in the name of Jesus Christ, and it is also in 2 Timothy 1.9 says, And he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And so the second miracle in the story, story is greater than the first. The second miracle is the salvation of a man's heart. A foreigner, somebody who was an outcast, and because of the movement of the Holy Spirit, this man saw Jesus for who he was. And he came and worshipped him. The Bible talks about the fact that, that if we live our life to gratify the flesh, we're not gratifying the Holy Spirit. There are times that God is calling us to put aside that which the body craves, even healing to receive what the Spirit craves for your soul. The Spirit of God craves intimacy with the God of creation. And it all is undergirded by the powerful faith of gratitude. Can you thank God today Wherever you're at, and I don't know wherever, where you're at, can you thank God that you know him even though everything you have asked him may have not been received? Do you know him? And do you love him? That's the power of gratitude. Give thanks with a grateful heart. 
Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given us Jesus, his son. Can we just say thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Stand with me as we close our time out.